Hey, welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and you are listening right now to part two of Bible Curious. And this is where Reverend Dr. Nick McRae and I had a conversation about the Bible. And uh, this is a follow-up to uh, part one. You probably could have guessed that. So if you have not yet listened to part one, I suggest you pause, go back an episode, tune in so that you kind of get an idea of where we're coming from. And we're just going to go ahead and continue this conversation. And we jump right in with big questions like, can spirituality be subjective? Can truth be subjective? How do we know that scripture is true. So, ooh, really big and heavy stuff. I'm excited that you are with us. And hey, let's go ahead and jump right in. So experience can be subjective, but but can truth be subjective? That's a good question. And that's that's ultimately kind of where I've I think ultimately and it has to be yeah. capital T truth, right? Well, not my truth, or well, okay, and that's a great question. That's a phrase that people have now. Well, I'm just living my truth. Okay, well, your truth and my truth are not the same, right? Exactly, and and, and we and I think in the end we can all recognize that, and I hope. It, any time that we really think that through, mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge the difficulty of that, right? That that if everyone has their their truth, is it is it truth? Like, is there anything such as like truth with a capital T? Like, because in some cases we want to say yes. Like, something can't be. I mean, in certain situations, you can't have you know the sort of logical. Uh, uh, well, I don't know the exact word because I'm not a logician, but like like you know a. Logician. I've never heard well, that before. It right, sounds like magician, right, but with a lodge, but way more boring. But so, so anyway, there's this idea of A equals A, right? Mm-hmm. Something is what it is. A, A cannot equal not A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, we can challenge maybe certain things about that, but I do, th- I would like to think, uh, because I've been, I've been in places where I have questioned that and saying like, is, is there such thing as truth? Is it possible that all of these things, which, which are, uh, which seem to be mutually exclusive truths can all be true. And there was a point at which I said, well, why not? Why can't these mutually exclusive truths be true? Why can't these things that absolutely contradict them each other directly at their most basic root? Why can't they both be true? And, um, have you ever heard of the theory of one? Uh, no, but I'd like to. Okay. So um, it, it's kind of where I've leaned spiritually uh, for a little while. Um, and it's this idea that like everything is true, mm-hmm. like it's all true. Um, and that there is not one truth that you're, you're searching for. And in, in the eyes of like spirituality, mm-hmm. the theory of one is like, an example is that uh, God is the moon, mm-hmm. okay? We are all human beings on earth pointing at the moon right, and right. calling it different things depending on where we are in the world. So Buddhists are pointing at the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Muslims are pointing at the moon. You know, all of these different faith traditions are pointing at the moon and based on their cultural experience, mm-hmm. their historical understanding, all of these things have different descriptions of the moon, but it's all the moon. And so it kind of goes, I don't, is it, uh, now I'm going to mess up my theologies, but is it Calvinist that it's like all paths lead to God? Oh, no. No, No? the opposite of Calvin? Yes. Okay. (laughs) No, no, no. So the theory of one is not necessarily like all paths lead Mm -hmm. to God, but um, all truths 
I guess, lead right. to God with like truth being love, light, positivity, sure. like mm-hmm. truth, um, those kinds of truths. Yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. And that's certainly, that's something that I, yeah, I, um, you know, had uh, toyed with, embraced to a certain extent for, for a time, you know, because I remember being, it was, it was when I was in seminary, I remember I was taking our, like uh, our, I forget what it was called, but it was, uh, it was, it was, the world religions class, but really it was sort of a comparative Christianity and other world religions. And I, it was the sort of, I think this, this is the, probably the furthest, this is probably the most, like when I hit, when I hit like the most, like the most progressive, like I could, or the most like uh, unmoored or most sort of, well, this is what I say that I could get is I remember sitting in that class and the professor who was a really interesting guy, a, a wonderful guy who was a former Jesuit uh, priest who, uh, who sort of left the, the, the church and got, or left the, the Jesuits and got married. He also became, became a Zen master. So he's both a Zen master and a cool. form, former Jesuit, a, a <laughs> wonderful guy. I love that guy. But I remember one time when he said, he was sort of talking about the different ways to approach the differences between religion. He's like, well, you can either say, you know, our, you know, we have, uh, we have all the truth and nobody else has any of it. Uh, this, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing in a much dumber way than what he would have said. Well, um, the dumber way works for right, me. Sure. So. Sure. Or, <laughs> or that, that, um, that all religions have some truth. Christianity just has the clearest truth or all, all of the religions have all the same amount of truth and it's all the same anyway. Uh, uh and he was saying that really as, as Christians, the, he was sort of saying the optimal place was that middle one mm-hmm. that like all, all religions point toward the same thing. All yeah. religions have truth are true, but, uh, Christianity just has, has, just has maybe the clearest truth. We understand it as being like the going the furthest, having the most distilled, whatever it is, version of truth. And I remember that point thing, like thinking, I don't agree with you. I feel why like can't, why really... can't, why can't they all just I be know. true? I was like, that feels arrogant. To be like, no, we got it. Like y'all well, are kind of getting it, but we've really got but, it. But in order, but see, but in order to do that, but then in order to go to that far, you have to really say there that there that truth, like that the truth is truth. If truth is everything, truth is a kind of a meaningless concept, right? Because there's no distinctions really between things, and um, and that's kind of where I hit the wall, and I started thinking, okay, I, there's there's like for instance, um, um, both uh, you know. Um, both Christianity and Islam can't all be 100% true because they make competing claims mm-hmm. about who Jesus is, for instance, or about what, about the, the, about scripture or about who is a prophet and who's not and this kind of thing. Right. And so that, that was when I finally said, okay, I, I, um, I really have to suspend any idea that there's something that anything can be any truer than anything else in order to stay there. And that's when I, that's, I think one of the places when I started to say, okay, well, maybe I need to go looking and find like, maybe there is something that is truth. Now, now I need to know, how do I discern that? Right? How do I make distinctions between true and maybe not true or maybe partial truth and full, right? And it's kind of, and that's kind of what sent me, I think, backward, backwards, not the right word, sent me like, if, if we're thinking of it as a wave, that was either the crest of the wave or the, 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 whatever you call the bottom part of the wave. And then it sent me sort of continuing through the wave. Right. And, um, and I, I, because I really think it, if, if, if we really go all the way there and say that anything spiritual, theological that someone says, you know, regardless of how it is totally contradictory to someone else's, that it's all somehow true, 
it just makes the idea of truth meaningless. And and then you have to question, okay, well, what about these cult leaders who are <laughs> claiming they have truth? They're rooting it in spirituality, right. but really it's about capitalism or whatever, well, or right. power. Exactly. Or, and so I think that motivation is a big mm-hmm. part of distinguishing what is truth. Mm-hmm. But like, what if you said, okay, if all things are truth, then truth is a meaningless concept. What if truth is a meaningless concept? Well, and that, that is the thing. And so then I think that's when it comes to, um, and I, you know, I haven't, yeah, I don't, that, that's, that's bigger of a question than we have yeah, to do. This is getting a little with. too philosophical. But, so, so, but. <laughs> right. But, but the point being, right, that, that, that if This is a taste of semi- truth, seminary, y'all. This is how they rock your brain. Sort of. It's not all this interesting though. Um, if, 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 if there is something such as truth, that meaning that something can be true uh, and that the, something that contradicts that is like, right, if, if something is either true or not, or there's degrees of truth or whatever, then I, 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 what, I, what I need to do is like, turn around, how, how do I distinguish that? Where do I look for it? And ultimately I've come to, through lots of, lots of different, uh, through a long journey, <laughs> right, to come to, to be like, I really do think there's good logical uh, reasons and evidence and various things to say that um, Christ is true. Jesus, the, the, the gospels are true. And then from there, kind of, as I talked about earlier about like, then how to, what do you think about the old Testament and think about the later epistles. And I would come to say, come to sort of see the extension, right. Of Christ's truth as then being extended to, um, right. So, so the idea that the, 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 this book has any inherent, um, 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 authority to itself just because the church says that this is our book, I, I totally disagree with. But if Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God incarnate, and this is really what Jesus Christ did and said, and this is really the way that he thought and talked about the Old Testament, and this is really the things that he taught his, and of course, obviously, there's been lots of questions, but are you sure? How about that? Right. But, mm-hmm. then, but if this is really what he taught his, his apostles, uh, about and and they're expressing that for us, then I, this can be um, truly a rule for faith and practice for making those judgments, making those distinctions, um, making ethical choices, and that sort of thing. Um, well, and what I wonder about with like the truth element of like, and we were kind of getting into without saying it, the authority of scripture, right? right. And uh, the baseline is: is it true? Mm-hmm. Um, what if? The concept of truth is our own human error saying we have to know if this is true. And that's not the point at all. You're not supposed to filter it through truth. You're Mm. supposed to filter it through love. Mm. And there is a very Mm. clear definition in scripture, what it is to love and what Mm. love means. And so like we have the love chapter um, in first Corinthians 13, where it specifically tells you love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast all of these things. And I'm like, man, if we just took that one chapter and said, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. the filter through which we see everything else. Um, Instead of constantly, because truth is, it, it requires, um, an element of proof. Mm-hmm. I feel like, sure. um, cause there is a difference between like truth and belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it to be true mm-hmm. as opposed to it is absolute truth, mm-hmm. which is hard to claim, sure. but it's 
it's, I feel like each of us have a clear understanding of love, but maybe that's even unfair to say because I was raised in an extremely loving home that might look different from someone who was raised in an abusive home and doesn't have that clear understanding of what love yeah. is. Well, and I think that also just the, the concept that people have of love, but let's say, let's say it, like apart from what scripture says, like, okay, maybe if, if we're just basing it only, okay, are we defining love based on what scripture says? That might be a, a way that we could do that. But if we're taking the concept of love in general, right? Cause that's, that's a very highly socially conditioned thing, mm-hmm. uh, can, right? It's a very highly culturally contextual, various things, your time, all that kind of stuff. So then that, you know, we would have to be, well, I guess we'd have to be very careful with a kind of hermeneutic like that. And then, but then we, of course we would also say something like, well, okay, if we're taking this part of scripture and making it the authoritative one and the other parts contradict it, why are we taking something from scripture? Right. And so it becomes very complicated and that, that uh, to, 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 to take a hermeneutic of a, a lens, a way of approaching scripture that only accounts for part of it and doesn't apply for the whole thing. Good. Because then, but then if we take, what's the whole witness, something that Francis John Wesley and others would have often said was talk about the whole tenor of scripture, right? So not just like this part's true, therefore, right. Um, but, and I think even though if I'm talking about, you know, if Jesus is true, then it's all, tr- that, then we can, we can see it all, the truth in all of it. We can see all of it as being true. But what, what we're talking about essentially is not just that only this part is true, but that this part reflects the character of the whole thing. So that when we make a judgment or we make a, a, a spiritual uh, decision or claim or whatever based on something in scripture, we back up and do we say, okay, but does the entire narrative of scripture, the arc of scripture, everything we see, does that bear it out? And if it says, well, um, now that we stand back and we see the whole of scripture and this just doesn't fit, then we have more digging to do, mm-hmm. I think. But if we can say, take that and say, oh, this is what love is, and then back up and see, do we see like a trajectory of love or something like that in scripture? And it fits. And we say, oh, actually we do see that throughout scripture rather than just in this one verse or whatever, or this on one, this one page. Then I think we have better grounds to say, to see that. So anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is that- um, Maybe, I don't know. Right, but, like, <laughs> I, but, but, but I don't know. What is anything, right? Well, um, let me, so I have another question about, it's kind of like scriptural authority. It's more just like curiosity. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Bible is the only sacred text? Or would you say like the Quran is also sacred or the um, other religious texts are also sacred, but that mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. I don't know, like what does it mean for a book to be sacred? And does the Bible have the corner on the sacred market? Well, I guess it depends on what the criteria for sacredness is, right? If the idea for sacredness is that humans hold it in esteem and base base their lives and 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 see it as something holy, then of course there any book that that, that is true of is, is sacred. But if our if our um, criteria for what makes something sacred is that it accurately reflects the character of God, that God has sort of specifically worked in and through, right? Uh, or that God has um, uh, even given it, then um, then I would say that we can't say that that's true for all of the, uh, for all of the different books. And so- Well, on. wait, I feel like your second definition broadens even more than religious texts to like, so your definition was like, if it is from God or inspired by God or it- so there are so many writers, even modern day writers who like are inspired mm. by God. And it's not necessarily going to be something that we live our lives according to, yeah. but then would that be considered sacred? Well, that's, that's a great question. I think it also 
because that can come down to, and always, it always comes down to definitions, right? Yeah. What, what do we mean by our words? So, um, and I would say that in Christian theology and, and the way I understand it, that there is a difference between uh, sort of inspiration in general, like I was inspired to do this, versus um, the way that God inspires Scripture, the way that the Holy Spirit moves to, to, to bring about a particular end. Um, and so, and so for instance, I would say that, so that one very particular kind of, of inspiration where the Holy Spirit works in someone and moves them to, uh, not like, not like as a robot, right. But mm-hmm. as a, um, uh, but as a, as a real thinking person in tune with the spirit to do something in a particular way is, is, is qualitatively, quantitatively different, not quantitatively, that's not the right word, than, uh, someone being moved by their emotions, being moved by an idea they have. To, to, to do that. But there's no way to know. Like only that individual mm-hmm. would know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've kind of been weaving in and out of biblical authority, talking about truth with a capital T mm-hmm. and where we can find, and it got really confusing. <laughs> and <laughs> I th- think we might've confused people more than we help people, but that's all part of the uh, process. I, w- I would call it really interesting. Yeah. But it and can be, it can I be would both. call it interesting <laughs> it <be> too. <laughs> um, so... One of the things that Doug and I addressed was the inerrancy Mm -hmm. of scripture. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know, like your personal understanding or belief, do you believe that the Bible is inerrant or infallible? I think it really depends on what you mean by that. And I'm pretty much always going to respond that way to these kind of questions because, uh, you know, if we don't define our terms, then it's almost impossible to accurately communicate, right? Yeah, because sometimes we just all assume we have the same definition of inerrant right. when that's not true at all. Right, and and even, and I would say there's probably, um, I'm thinking about f- folks who, who who tend to often use inerrancy and infallibility about their, themselves and their tradition. There's probably a few kind of like stable definitions of how, how they would consider that. But I will say that there is, a, a, that, but um, what am I trying to say? There is there is diversity, however, even within that camp. And so, for instance, the way that some people express inerrancy and infallibility, I might not connect with as as much, uh, but some other ways I would. So, some place some one way of thinking about it that really does make sense to me is um, so one of my sort of um, uh, theological heroes is John Stott, and he was a um, uh, an Anglican uh, evangelical Anglican um, you know, Church of England priest um, who. Uh, Anyway, he's been very influential in the world. I've really enjoyed his writings, find him very um, helpful. And he was the one of the sort of primary architect of what's called the Luzon Covenant. And it's sort of the, which came out of the Luzon Congress on World Evangelization, which was this, basically a bunch of evangelical leaders got together in the 70s in Switzerland and said, okay, we want a vision for what evangelism looks like now and how we'll do that together, even though we have different beliefs about different kinds of stuff. And they came up with a, a, a sort of statement of faith and one of the things that it says is, and I want to pull it up because otherwise I'm going to butcher the exact language of it. Um, about the Bible, it says this. Uh, we affirm the divine inspiration, truthfulness, and authority, both of uh, the Old and New Testament scriptures in their entirety, entirety as the only written word of God. And, then, and here's the important part. Without error in all that it affirms and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. So a lot of times when people will talk about inerrancy, they'll be like... Well, the exact definition is incapable of being wrong. Right. And that's a pretty broad swath. Because the definition 
that you just gave of that council that came together figuring mm-hmm. out, okay, how are we going to uh, evangelize? Mm-hmm felt very different than incapable of being wrong. They said there it is inerrant in what it affirms. Okay, yeah. So let's, that's let's, let's interesting to me. Yeah, inerrant uh yeah, sorry, in, inerrant uh, without error in all that it affirms because there are things in the Bible that the Bible does not affirm. <laughs> and at first, for some people, that can be kind of jarring, but then it's like, well, just look at any given life. For instance, there are things that happen, uh, things that, for instance, uh, let's say David, right? One of the most well-known stories about King David is that he uh, committed adultery with uh, with Bathsheba, who was already married, and then arranged to have her husband killed in battle. Not great. <laughs> not not great, right? And um, so, right, the Bible does not affirm that. It, it it describes it, right, but it does not affirm that. I mean, it would it would it would affirm that that was the wrong thing, a sinful thing to do. Um, that's just one very obvious example. There's a lot of other more marginal cases. Well, where... like uh, the Bible does not affirm tattoos and piercings. And here I am with plenty of tattoos and piercings. Um, am I, you know, living a life of sin because every day that I put in my nose ring or every day someone puts in their earrings, uh, they're choosing to be sinful because the Bible says you're not supposed to do that? Right. Or... On the on, to, to take the other side, is that actually what the Bible is affirming? That 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 tattoos and piercings are wrong. And I would say the Bible is not affirming that that uh, Bibles that, that uh, sorry that uh, tattoos and piercings are wrong. In fact, I think um, if you look at, at those passages, like somebody really has to. Um, well, different translations will have different things. And also, I think the context in that particular case, it, it, it makes it what to me seems clear that they're talking about cultic practices of the pagan cultures around them. Uh, so it talks about uh, making marks on yourself for the dead. Is that what a tattoo is? It, is a tattoo making a mark on yourself for the dead? Now, you know, does that mean like I've have a tattoo that's like in memory of so-and-so, yeah. but that's wrong, but a picture of Bugs Bunny is not wrong? Like, I, I don't think so. I think they're talking about something totally different from tattoos. I don't think, I don't think tattoos and piercings as we understand it now come into the question at all. So that, that, that gets, so that's kind of like the cultural well, context. Right. And so we, yeah, we can definitely talk about cultural context as well. Um, but, uh, so, but does it, affir- so other things that it might, uh, say, but not affirm. So here's just a very simplistic example. Um, there is a place in the Psalms, in the Psalms, there's a verse that says, um, um, you know, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now the words, there is no God are in the scripture, right? But the scripture is not affirming the idea that there is no God. In fact, it's contradicting it completely, right? So it's just a very tiny little example of, so the idea, uh, the words are there, there is no God. It's infallible. It can't be wrong, right? But it's not what it's affirming. It says that, but it doesn't teach that. So I would say, yeah, it, it, the Bible is without error in all that it truly affirms, right? And while the Bible truly teaches and all the Bible is truly trying to express the intent of it, the, the, um, that sort of the core teaching of it, I would say is, um, is that it does it, it does it correctly without, without, um, without like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, get it all wrong. I think it, it does it, it does it well, it does it correctly. And then with, in terms of infallibility, it, the, the Luzon covenant says, uh, the only infallible, I think, rule of faith and practice, right? So, um, and the way I understand that is that, um, as a, as a way of describing how we ought to, uh, live out our faith, um, 
it doesn't fail to do that in a clear uh, and a, a productive kind of way. And that's not, maybe that's not the best words for it, but you see, there's a difference there in just saying like the Bible is infallible and inerrant and, and it, not explaining that or expecting it to carry, I mean, a whole bunch of different things to me, uh, in the way, in this way of thinking about it, makes a lot of sense because I do think that the core teaching of the Bible is true, and that it communicates it um, uh, in a way that is not erroneous, <laughs> um, even if it's not always, uh, even if we have to do some hard work sometimes to, to dig up through all that cultural stuff. And what I would say about the sort of the the minutia, the small the small bits, is that they're not. I would say they're not unimportant, but um, but when we um, it is poss- very easily possible to let those overshadow the whole thing. But I do think that a, lo- in mo- that, um, a lot of that is still important and is still rich. So the task really is, as I understand it, to um, find out like, like what's the principle involved? Like what is the, what is, what is um, the deepest thing that's being communicated? What is the attribute of God's character that's being, um, that's being communicated? What is the... Um, the uh, ethical principle that's being uh, really beneath the surface of it. What is the um, uh, what does it say about uh, about God's uh, work in the world and and God's um, intention for humanity? Right, kind of digging in there and finding what that core thing is, and then saying, okay, but how can we make that? Uh, how can we express that in today's language so people can connect to it? Right. Yeah. Wow. Closing thoughts. Unless there's a question that you had for me that you feel like I didn't answer. Yeah, uh, I guess there's one one more uh, that kind of that I that I had, had thought about, and that is so. Who would you say uh, Jesus is? Like, how do you who is he? How do you understand uh, that right now? Who he is, um, uh, and uh, how did you get to that? Or how? Um, yeah, that is constantly changing, but I'll say, so we did a worship series last year called the man Mm -hmm. where we walked through all of the different uh, facets of Jesus and and who he was. And the one that I relate to most or that I latch onto, I should say, latch onto most is Jesus's teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really who he is to me is I read through, I think he's extremely wise. I think that he's kind and compassionate, someone that I would like to model my life after. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can always go to see how Jesus dealt with issues. Like he was really good at dealing with difficult people. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever run into a difficult (laughs) person. Uh, But so those (laughs) kinds of things, I'm like, okay, I can learn a lot from him and the way that he lives his life. I've really struggled jumping from that to savior. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how, Mm -hmm. because at some point it comes down to like, just believe it. Mm -hmm. And I, if people haven't noticed, like I'm a never ending skeptic and you can't just turn it off. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult. And so I don't understand, um, I just, I don't know if it's like, I need a mystical experience Mm -hmm. that goes beyond, you know, reasoning. Um, I'm not sure what I need because it doesn't feel 
personal, like Jesus's friend Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like a thing to me. Like Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me of like, oh yeah, I see Jesus as my friend. And when I pray, I'm talking to Jesus as a friend. Friend, I don't pray to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus to me was a teacher and an embodiment of God that was a great example to us Mm -hmm. as humans on how to connect into God. I can see Christ Mm -hmm. in Jesus. Um, But when I pray, it's usually to the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. which is, um, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit very much, but that is actually like in the Trinity, the version of God that I feel most connected to is the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, Jesus... um, I appreciate, I learn a lot from, I love seeing the humanity of God, but the whole thing of like Jesus died for your sins, past, present, future, like Jesus saved you individually, like that is hard for me to latch on to. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and we could do we could do a whole podcast on the atonement. We should do that. We one probably day. will. We, we, I know. I really like hope we that already we will. talked about doing the Trinity. Atonement oh, could be added. I'm excited to the about list. both of those. Yeah, I think I think yes, that would be excellent. I guess. Uh, yeah, I that. Yeah, I think I see where you're coming from. Um, it, it, talking about this, just, just I guess my one little little follow up. Uh, I don't know if it's an encouragement or if it's a challenge. I don't even know what this is. No. But um, is uh, you know he said you know short you know maybe I need a mystical experience. I know something like that. Um, there is this idea. And it warranted that um, that somehow um, a, a, a you know a Christianity that builds itself as particularly biblical has is sort of opposed in some way to uh, mysticism, and in some ways that's that's a fair. Uh, a fair estimate, depending on what you mean by mysticism. But I guess what well, I would say is... I mean, is, the Bible is full of stories of mysticism. Right, so. right, right. But I think uh, oftentimes it's pitted against... Uh, there's this... People uh, pit these two things against each other. Either that you can uh, have ex- an experience that, of the Holy Spirit from which you learn something, or you can get it from Scripture, but like, right, maybe... Um, anyway, there are camps in Christianity that kind of fight with one another about that. Like one say like, well, but if it's not in scripture, you can't trust it. Uh, others will say, well, but if all your, if, if you can't experience the Holy Spirit apart from scripture, or maybe if you don't let the Holy Spirit challenge the way you think about scripture, that's a problem too. I guess what, what I, all I wanted to say was that um, there is at least one, what you could call mystical experience that the scripture kind of, kind of uh, affirms and acknowledges. And that is, uh, I'm sure there's more than one, but that kind of promises to believers a certain way, which it says that um, there is this certain way that the Holy Spirit can uh, confirm, can kind of like uh, speak into your spirit and say, um, uh, it, it's true. You really are a child of God. And that's something that Paul promises. That's something that uh, where he says, you know, my, my, uh, the, you know, the Holy Spirit testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. And, and Paul says that comes through faith in Jesus. And so to me, that says that uh, invites us to expect those experiences with the Holy Spirit. Um, and that was a really important part of, of John Wesley's ministry and, and his uh, experience. So anyway, I guess the whole point was, yeah, um, I hope that everyone can have an, ex- an encounter with the Holy Spirit um, where they truly can have that sense of, of being beloved by God. And I think that uh, it is available to everyone. And so, um, and, and the know. thing is, I do want to believe in Jesus as savior. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not this weird thing of like, I refuse. Right. Like oh, yeah. I, yeah. 
I really want to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It's maybe it's that like I'm personally resistant to it in some way that I don't understand. I want too much control. Like, I don't know what it is, but um, as a child and teenager, it came so naturally. Mm-hmm. And then when my deconstruction started, it started to be less and less mm-hmm. natural. And then it got to the point where it's like, I don't know this guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it. And it just becomes so diluted by the culture around mm-hmm. you and the mm-hmm. misrepresentations mm-hmm. of Jesus um, that I don't know how to get back. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. And I don't know if I ever can mm-hmm. or if I need something, like, completely new. Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of, like, sitting and waiting for, like, hopefully something someday will click or something will make sense. Mm-hmm. But until that happens, I can't force it. Like, I can't just say, okay, I'm saved. I believe, you know, Jesus saved me. All like, because it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Like, it wouldn't feel honest Mm -hmm. or authentic to make that claim, which is weird. Like, this is true confessions here because, yes, I work at a church. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I consider myself a Christ follower. Um, but, yeah, I struggle with the whole concept of salvation mm-hmm. and atonement and, and all of that. Um, and I don't know. It's a journey. Yeah. You're on it. We're, we are all on the journey. Yeah. And um, But it seems, I don't know if everybody's just faking it or if it really does come naturally to most other people. Because I feel like most other people I encounter in the church don't ask these questions or don't mm-hmm. admit like, yeah, I'm not in, like, I don't know about the whole savior thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't hear that. And so I have these conversations with friends outside of church Mm -hmm. who are open to having these conversations. Is it like a fake it till you make it mentality of like, hopefully someday I'll feel it? Or does everybody at church actually feel that like salvation? I, I, all I can say to that is, uh, if it was if it if it was literally everybody, I would be very surprised because I yeah. think I think your experience is is more maybe more common than it than 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 you realize, um, and I wonder that there are probably a lot of other people who maybe have questions. They don't know what to do with it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to. I mean, I don't know. There's everybody so many different places, but I know that feeling of like being like, am I the only one who sees this? Am I the only one who thinks about this stuff? Am I the only one who like doesn't really fit in here because yeah. I don't. I'm not expressed in the same way. Like I was like, am I the I, only person not getting it? We've probably thoroughly confused people today. Um, this, we, we wanted to explore uh, the Bible and scripture and like the relevance of it and mm-hmm. where it came from and why we interpret it the way we do. And like, it's just such a big question yeah. that yeah. goes all over the place, which we did. We went all over the place. I think it was all really great conversation and I'm glad that we did it. If we were to wrap this up, I'll, I'll start because it's unfair for me to throw this <laughs> at you. Um, if I were to wrap this all up and say, if I want you to walk away with this knowledge or not knowledge, but attitude mm-hmm. towards scripture, what I would say is stay curious. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you read scripture with 
the attitude of curiosity, then it will serve you well in your spiritual growth and development. Because when you read with an attitude of curiosity, uh, you become almost insatiable Mm -hmm. and you want to explore other understandings and other interpretations Mm -hmm. and other translations Mm -hmm. and, and all of this. And I feel like uh, God smiles at that exploration uh, because it. I, I described this to my partner the other day of like, I sometimes think about my relationship with God and is God ever frustrated by me? Because <laughs> I ask so many questions and I'm constantly <laughs> wrestling and da- I am a combination of Jacob and uh, Thomas because mm-hmm. I'm wrestling, doubting, wrestling, <laughs> doubting over and over and over again. Um, but then I think about the fact In my personal relationships, I would much rather invest in somebody who's curious about me and wants to better understand Mm -hmm. me. And if that comes with a lot of questions and thoughts, Mm -hmm. then someone who just accepts everything that I say, say without question, there's no conversation and it's just, yep, whatever you say, Alyssa, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's approaching God from an extremely human perspective, mm-hmm. but I, th- I think that that's in a nutshell for me of like how I want to continue to approach scripture is just with curiosity. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that. And so I guess if I could follow up and give my sort of last, um, word for this episode on, on that topic, I, I, I I'm going to, I'm going to give the exact same word, stay curious. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I think I think the idea that you always like digging in and learning more, asking those questions, dealing with, I think that's absolutely the 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 right um, path to take. And it doesn't and and so for anybody out there who may feel like your beliefs are like fairly settled, or you may believe feel like, you know, I have a pretty traditional belief in uh, in Christianity, and I I don't want to like like mess that up in some way by asking questions. I would say like don't. Um, don't go out like looking to lose your faith, but do go out asking questions because your, your faith can, can take it. Um, it'll probably go stronger through the questions, even if um, you, you go places that you've never been before. I, I have faith just, just from my own experience to, that those questions can lead you maybe back, uh, it'll lead you places that you, you weren't imagining. And it doesn't mean it's going to lead you off into, um, into, I don't know what I believe anymore. It might do that, but it might lead you through that as well, back into something uh, that looks kind of like what you have now, but is even stronger, even more, um, uh, even more full of, uh, full of life and full of vitality, because that's been my experience that by asking the questions, by going to tough places, by not settling for anything, just because someone said that it was true and that I had to believe it by going and like finding out for myself, I think of the, 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 the church at Berea and the, and the book of Acts where, when they were told the gospel that they looked at the scriptures to see that for themselves, if it was true. Right. And that is commended, right. That's a good thing. So to, to stay curious, keep uh, learning, keep growing. And um, I think that it will lead you. Uh, it's it'll, it'll, uh, it'll lead you somewhere. It'll lead you somewhere. <laughs> um, but don't be afraid of it because if you're afraid yeah. of asking questions that, I mean, that's just, um, 
like the scripture can take it. God yeah. can take it. <laughs> Jesus can, well, can stand up to the question. Well, I think that they can't take it. Well, fair know? enough. Fair and, enough. But see, I because I, I see a lot of negative response when I uh, see a content creator on social media who is in the process of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. People freak out. Mm-hmm. They're leaving all sorts of comments of like, don't you know that the Bible says this? Or don't you know, mm-hmm. like, don't you, you're spreading misinformation by questioning these things, you know, all of that. But when I see someone entering that journey of deconstruction, I get so excited for mm-hmm. them because um, a lot of the people, the reason that they've started deconstruction is because they have been hurt by the church or they have had like a traumatic mm-hmm. church experience or suddenly whatever their faith tradition was, things stopped adding up for them and they started employing their experiences and their reason um, to everything that they grew up with. And I think that the fear is that people are leaving the church. Mm-hmm which is fine, like, mm-hmm. according to mm-hmm. me, is fine, because the goal is for people to come back to God, mm-hmm. not to come back to church. Mm-hmm. And maybe they will eventually find a church that that will help them grow mm-hmm. spiritually. Um, and, you know, people come and go from this church, Treach Memorial United Methodist Church, all the time. Yeah, and it's just part of... Mm-hmm. Being a church is like people come in, they grow spiritually, and maybe they get to a point that they don't feel like they can grow spiritually here anymore, and they have to find a new church community. And there's all of this um, sadness around that for those people, almost shame of like people will slink out. There's two people. There's the people who make a big stink about it because right. they're angry <laughs> about Slam something, the door so the they're finding out. a different <laughs> church. And then there are the people who just slink out the back door and uh, maybe like three months go by mm-hmm. and you're like, I haven't seen this person mm-hmm. in a long time. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And you give them a call and they're like, oh, we started going to a new church, but mm-hmm. they sound kind of like ashamed mm-hmm. of it. Right. And my response is always, that is wonderful mm-hmm. that you've found a place that you feel like you can grow in a relationship with God and grow spiritually. And if this church wasn't the right place Mm. for you, like I commend you Mm. in finding the right place. And so I think that that's the fear is like when we enter deconstruction, part of that deconstruction can be leaving the spaces and places Mm. that we know and love, Mm. um, leaving the communities that we've been around for years and exploring something new and different, which is scary. It's scary to do. So it's not that I, I don't think there's a fear of like, God can't take it. The scripture can't take it. Maybe, I don't know, but I think the big fear is I can't take it. What if I don't find my way back? Right, right. And, you know, in my in uh, my experience of when I see one of those content creators that sort of says, you know, hey, I no longer believe this, I'm going into deconstruction. I think, um, you know, your, your reaction was, I'm so excited for you, right? Excited for your and journey. Excited yeah. for your journey. And for me, I think I think my feeling is like, I think there is a sadness mm-hmm. that, that they're, that, that the, whatever faith they had grown into, whatever tradition they had, whatever they've been taught has, um, has, 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 um, not, uh, I guess that has, has made them feel as though they can't trust it, hold on to it, grow into it, live into it, feel, uh, honest about it. I feel sad about that, but I feel encouraged knowing that if they come back to faith, 
if they come back to um, to you know to to the Christian faith, that they're going to be coming back with their eyes like wide open, right? Having tested it, having seen the Stronger everything. Than it's ever been. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, and so it, maybe there's that cliche about like you know a wound, like a scar coming, you know, or like a broken bone grows back st- stronger, whatever. What doesn't kill um, me makes me stronger. Well, yeah, <laughs> the idea that 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 what if they come back to the Christian faith, that faith has it has been tested. It's been through the ringer. It, it's it's not it, it's it's got it's going to have to have some pretty strong grounding to have who have brought them back, and so that's encouraging to me. So friends, stay curious. Don't give up. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, all good words to live by, and we will see you next time when we talk about a different topic that we have not yet decided on yet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs>